0: But first, get on your warmest coat, some thermal underwear, because our story takes place way, way, way up north, even further than Vancouver, back when one Benjamin Young Savage was but nine years old. I grew up in northern Quebec. It's an abandoned mining town, and a native tribe called the Nescapi settled outside the town in a village called kawa The town is very, very remote. Um, the only way to get there is via train or by plane. And none of the roads are paved except for in town. So in the wintertime, uh, we get, you know, on average, 15 feet of snow every year. And so one of the main ways people get around is via snowmobile. My name is Benjamin Young Savage and my parents did translation work with the tribe. So I grew up with the tribe. I actually grew up in different houses of people that I would consider elders or or grandfathers or grandmothers. A lot of the Neskapi elders embraced me and took me in as one of their own, but I really didn't have anybody who was my own age who I could hang out with and be friends with. I felt very alone. My father would always go to Tommy Enish's house to sip tea and eat bannock and listen to him tell legends and stories of time in the past. Tommy was one of those elders that took me under his wing. And then one day we were there and Tommy began talking with my dad about this old snowmobile frame that he had sitting out in his yard. And he wondered if my dad might be able to help him drag it to the dump. And then he pointedly asked, unless you know somebody who might want it, and looked at me. And so that's how I ended up with the snowmobile frame. My father and I built a uh, a snowmobile out of scrap parts. And uh, so I <laughs> I had this snowmobile that looks like it's out of a steampunk movie. It's got, like, a, an old headlight from a school bus, like, wired onto the handlebars. You know, there's no plastic covering over the snowmobile at all. The engine is just sitting there exposed. The gas tank is, like, hanging off the front of the engine, held on by a, a big strap. It was a very dangerous and very fast machine, but I I really, really loved it and I went everywhere on the thing. There was definitely this huge sense of freedom that I got riding the snowmobile. You know, because winter is most of the year, the snowmobile let me have a huge range. My mom was always like, make sure you're back by sundown. We were so remote that herds of caribou would sometimes thunder through the town. Sometimes the ice would thaw early and there was always a danger of falling through. There were wild animals. I saw wolves when I was out by myself. And I told her about that and she was really, really scared. My mom, she came from suburban America so like she wasn't used to having so many dangers around anything but you know, it was it was perpetually around us, so there wasn't a ton that she could do. I would go up to the dump and pick up electronics. So I'd pick up old boom boxes and television sets and computer monitors, and I would drag them home and um, fix them. And I was like, this is great. I can go up to the dump anytime we want. It was actually kind of late in the day, and I think I don't know something was happening at home where i just wanted to get out of the house but because the sun had already started going down it was around like you know two o'clock or so um i knew that i couldn't stay out too long so i was like i'll i'll go to the dump i haven't been there in a little while so i hopped on the snowmobile and i'd ride up the road towards the dump and i'm heading west so the sun is going down and i can kind of see it scraping along the tops of the ridge So I get there and I, uh, I find a, uh, a broken hockey stick. And so what I did was I made my way through the dump with the hockey stick, because I really didn't want to pick up garbage bags with my hand. So I'm walking along and I'm looking for electronics and I'm not seeing any. So using the sharpened hockey stick, I stab into the garbage bags and I'm kind of heaving them over my shoulder, just throwing them willy-nilly just to see if there's anything underneath Stab, heave, stab, heave. I'm just pitching these garbage bags over my shoulder. And all of a sudden, I stab into a garbage bag, and it whips around, and it has claws and fangs. It was a black bear. It was a, a juvenile black bear, and it was sitting with its back to me, probably munching on something and minding its own business. But in the dimming light, the bear looked like a garbage bag. And I had just stabbed it in the ass. So this bear whips around and rears up on its hind legs. It is mad. It is roaring. And everything seemed to freeze at that point. I remembered that there's no real way that you can outrun a bear. They can go around 30 miles an hour, which is about the top speed that my snowmobile can do. I dropped the stick. I was weaponless. I couldn't outrun it. There's nothing that I could use around me to defend myself. I was scrawny and skinny, and I was only 12 years old. I was the smallest kid in my class. For some reason, I leaned in and charged at the bear myself and kind of gave it this big hug. The bear's fur is really soft, and I'm holding on for dear life. My arms are wrapped around the bear as tightly as I can. His claws are ripping at my jacket. The down of my jacket is flying out the holes that he's making in the back. He can't get a hold on me. His muzzle is snarling right next to my head his breath is hot and smells of the garbage that he was eating he's trying to bite me in any way that he can but he can't because i'm too close to him feathers are going everywhere and i am panicking pretty soon he's going to make it all the way through my jacket and i'm not sure what i'm going to do at that point i was screaming but i'm miles away from anybody if Something happened to me out here, that was it. Nobody's going to find me until the next morning if if something happens. All of a sudden I remember that in my winter jacket pocket, I have a bowie knife. My knife was in my right pocket and my right hand was kind of free. The bear and I were chest to chest His right paw under my left arm. His head over my left shoulder. His left paw clawing at my back. I dive into my pocket and whip the knife out. Quickly as I could, I jammed it into the side of the bear under its armpit. Right kind of where I thought the heart of the bear might be. And I felt the bear go limp. I pull it out and I just run. I book it back to the snowmobile. The snowmobile's sitting on the edge of the dump and I'm slipping, I'm stumbling, I'm trying to get away from this bear as quickly as I possibly can. Miraculously, the snowmobile starts up with one pull from the starter and I hit the throttle and make a break for the entrance of the dump. Only when I get to the gate do I turn around and see the bear still slumped over, not moving. When I knew that I had killed this bear and that the bear was just lying in a dump, that really ate at me because even though it was in self defense and even though, you know, I was I was saving my own skin, it felt really wrong to have killed something and then just have run away. And that really weighed heavy on me. Um, I just felt bad because that bear was just sitting there minding its own business, trying to get some dinner. And uh, through my own kind of stupidity, I'd I'd killed it. I I rode the entire way home and the, the whole thing was a blur because there's just tears streaming down my face and freezing onto my scarf. Right as I got to the edge of town, I realized that my jacket was a mess. The back was in ribbons. And I knew that if I went home and told my parents that I had been attacked by a bear, that would be the very last time that I would ever be able to go to the dump by myself. And so that would have meant that I would have had to be stuck at home um, most of the winter. And I didn't want that. And so if I had to lie to my parents in order to keep that freedom... That was the trade. I got off the the snowmobile and there was a big gravel pile near an industrial area. And I took off my, my coat and I rubbed it in the gravel to make it look like it had been really dirty. And I wiped the blood off my knife in the snow and I drove really, really slowly back home And when my mom saw my jacket, I told her that I'd ripped it while I was, you know, climbing through an abandoned building. She totally bought this story, hook, line, and cinder. I mean, she was used to it. I I always came up, came home with with torn up clothes and, and ruined shirts and, you know, all kinds of stuff. From that point on, I realized there wasn't a whole lot that I needed to be scared of. I mean, I was 12. I'd apparently killed a bear and lived to tell the tale. All my other troubles and everything else in my life seemed to pale in comparison to that. What else was there to be afraid of in the world? What else was there for me to be worried about? There were so many times where I wanted to tell people, to tell the kids in my school that I'd killed a bear. And yet... I also really liked keeping it to myself. I didn't want to brag about it. I liked that I was the only one who knew about it. And that I knew that I was special. I knew that I had gone through this. And it didn't matter as much that other people knew. Besides, who would believe that a scrawny 12-year-old kid had killed a bear by himself Many thanks to Benjamin Young Savage for sharing this story. Benjamin is now a graphic artist, illustrator, and abolitionist based in Baltimore. And thanks as well to Al Letson, the host of the amazing Reveal Podcast, for letting me you know about Benjamin. The original score for that piece was by Leon Morimoto. It was produced by Adiza Egan and Eliza Smith.